What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another the King's Pulse podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as usual. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good today, Brendan. I'm doing good. And uh, we got a guest on today that most of your listeners will know, uh, probably from Twitter or his radio show as well, uh, Kenny Caraway. And the uh, the Twitter handle is at IamKDiddy on Twitter. Uh, how you doing today, Kenny? Well, I'm, I'm doing good, guys, and I appreciate you guys having me on, man. This is, uh, this is an honor. I, I subscribe on iTunes. I definitely <laughs> listen when you guys put something out, man. So uh, definitely a, a, a pleasure for me to, to, to be on here. Awesome, yep. man. Yeah. And, and uh, it was great to meet you as well. Got to meet you at, Cal- at the California Classic. That was really cool to put a name to the face. It's always nice to do that. Uh, within the, yeah, the good time, the, the dunk, the dunk you had on were fire. Trust me, I was I was looking, and the dunk was on point. Yes, <laughs> indeed. All right, so this is what I really wanted to talk about. We, we're gonna have a little <laughs> diversion up top here, uh, because yeah, I did see you with the drip as well. I think you had on some sort of uh, <laughs> yeah, you had the earrings, and I think you had some sort of Gucci backpack, Prada backpack, something like that. And you're yeah, telling yeah. me, you're telling me you you like to keep that on point. At the games, so the guys yeah. know what's up. Uh, you, we tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, man, it's it's funny. So the the I got this Versace backpack um, that I wear, and it's it's really like not. It's kind of nondescript, you know. They have the Versace logo on the on the top and and the pattern on the on the um, straps, but it's like it's it's you've seen it. It's not like. Yeah, like an NCM backpack or a Louis Vuitton. It's nothing like that. It's just kind of nondescript, but you see the 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 pattern on the straps. So whenever I go into the locker room, I did about ten games or so this past season, and like everybody in the locker room on the team's team would be like a compliment on me on the backpack. Like you know, like uh, it was always weird to me because like you know, these millionaires in here. And, you know, they, they can get, you know, anything they want. You know what I'm saying? They, they're not phased by nothing, but they see me in, you know, Costa, Frank Mason, Harry. I took the Harry a lot, Fox, all these guys. Oh man, nice bag, man. Nice bag. Like, thanks. Appreciate it. So they show love on the bag, man. They show love on the shoes and the attire. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of hesitate to call myself a sneakerhead because I, I know what some of these sneakerheads do. They, you know, the closets are crazy, the garages are crazy, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. I'm not necessarily like that. I, I got a full closet or whatever, but I'm not like some of these guys you see like on the, on the extreme YouTube channels. But, you know, I got I got some shoes and 
the bags and the shoes, they would always show love on it. Harry, Harry was the guy I probably talked to the most, man. Every time I was in there, Harry would say, you know, something about, you know, what I was wearing that day, something positive. So yeah, they, they took, they took a little notice. And how's, uh, how's your shoe game, Brendan? Man, my shoe game is not, I've never really been into like Jordans and basketball shoes outside of on the floor. Like, my shoe game is real basic. It's very California. I'm a Vans guy. Like, it's just, I keep it simple and that's, that's about it. I get that. It's functional. Yeah, it's all good with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it is. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things where you want to look sharp. Uh, there's a lot of people that you, you, you know, you get to meet, uh, at those places. And it's funny because, you know, we, we actually, we had, uh, when we had Jason Jones on, we talked a little bit yeah. about shoes with him, but a lot of the guys that you see out there, it's like, especially the riders, they're just wearing, you know, dockers and, uh, yeah, new balances and all that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's funny. I felt overdressed and I just had a pair of Nikes on and, uh, whatever, a button down and all this and just, just trying to look a little sharp. But then I, I suddenly felt overdressed. The California classic is a different environment as well. You know, they, it's really like the, cause I did it last year and the, the regular guys, you know, that aren't like myself trying to make a name for myself or whatever. The guys have been there for years. They're literally just, you know, in their shorts and, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to say sandals, but you know, just whatever. They're like really chilling. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like to stand out a little bit. So, you know, people remember me. Oh, that's the guy with the backpack or the shoes or the nice shirt or something like that. You know, something a little different. Yeah. And Rich, you mentioned Jason Jones. When we talked to him, he's, we were talking about the swipers because that was about the time they came out. Yeah. And he said that he liked them, but he didn't feel like he could wear them around Fox because you can't be interviewing a guy and be wearing his stuff. Would you, would you, either of you guys, First of all, how you feel about the shoe, and if you like it, would you wear it around Fox? Oh yeah, yeah, the, the uh, MX nineties, the swiper joints. Oh yeah. man, I love them. I got a pair. I, I got. I want to sell one maybe two or three times, and um, you know I get I get love for them when when I'm walking around and and got them on. So I I think that though personally, I, I like that um, his shoe. I'm not trying to compare the two because I like Jason Tatum too, but the Swiper edition, um, they, they sold out, I think, within the first two days on, on the Foot Locker app and the Nike app and all this other stuff. Jason Tatum, they're still there like two weeks later. You know, you can get those in the store or whatever, but the Swipers, they went pretty fast. So, um, got, got, a, got my hands on a pair of those and yeah, I love, I love them. Uh, love wearing them. I haven't worn them to the arena yet. See, that's the funny thing. I don't know. I'll, I, yeah, I probably will wear the swipers in front of the end. See, I try to try to keep some kind of level of professionalism, like Jason yeah. was probably talking about, where I don't want to be interviewing him in the swipers. But <laughs> for some people, it works. You know what I'm saying? Some people, it works. I know a guy um, that I follow on social media. He um, he does he covers games for the Thunder, and that's kind of his whole angle. Is he's, he's called the sneaker reporter. He's kind of tight with Paul George. I mean, that's kind of changed a little bit now because he's not there. But, like, he wears the Paul George shoes. Paul George gets them, like, the new exclusives. He puts them on his social media and all that. But he's, like, credential reporter for the for the team. And, um, you know, I know me personally, I don't look at him no kind of way for doing that. So, you know, I don't know if others do. 
But, you know, it's, it's all part of the culture, man. It's almost another sign that, you know, that these players kind of respect the fact that, you know, you're not just coming in here trying to report on something that you don't know anything about or, you know, you have no real interest in. They kind of see it sometimes. And they, they look at it as a positive, like, okay, well, he knows what shoes is hot or he knows, you know, um, this is my new line or something like that. He's showing respect. So I think it's, the dynamics kind of changed a little bit, but I haven't got, I, I thought about what I'm doing next year. I, I don't know if I'm wearing the swipers next year to the game, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I like them. I think that they're, I think that it's, it's the asymmetry to have the shoes, you know, all the, the colorway different on each foot. It's pretty cool. I like that. I don't love the logo still. For some reason, the, the font that Swipa is in, I just, it's not, it's not doing it for me really. But, but, uh, yeah, I, I've been getting into some of those types of reporters and, and, uh, Twitter, you know, I've been following, uh, League Fits on Twitter recently. Yeah. I, discovered that and that's been really really cool i i really uh darius garland uh what he the suit that he wore on draft night was super different look that up if you if you haven't seen that that was that was sick and there was a couple uh there's another guy that had a snakeskin suit that looked actually really really tight but but yeah let me ask you since you've been been down there in the tunnel uh seeing these guys and you know who was who had who who was the most on point? Was it Shumpert? Was it Willie? Who was who was bringing out the best fits? Those two guys come out to me um, off off the rip. Those guys were always on point. They had their own style about them, but it was like it was always on point. Fox Fox is a little more subtle with his style, but it's on point. So like he'll like probably when you when you saw him, Richie at the you know he had like a a khaki short or something like that and a regular t-shirt. But then you go down to the shoes, you got like pink fear gods on, you know what I'm saying? Like he's keeping it real subtle and then he's got the, the, uh, the slight flex when he comes to the shoe game. So his shoes is always on point and you know, and he dressed nice too. Um, but he, he's always doing his thing. Um, who's the other guy? Buddy comes to mind. Buddy, buddy is the same way with his clothes, but his shoes are always on point. Uh, Harry Giles. He's head to toe. He's, he's always looking fresh. So as far as the guys since Trump and Willie or uh yeah, Trump and Willie aren't gonna be there next year, I would say Harry probably has the lead for the guy who's gonna be the most, you know, fashionable, have the most drip coming through that locker room every night. Uh, he, he he comes with the you know, whether it's a, a name brand, you know, like a you know, Balenciaga or, you know, if it's just like a, a T shirt with, you know, some kind of now, I don't know, like a cartoon character on it or something like that. He, he switches it up. The shoes game, shoe game is always on point. So, um, yeah, I would, I would put him right now for the leader in the pack as the guy who's going, who's going to lead that team in league fits. I like it. I like it. And I'll tell you, I have a sleeper here as well. And it's funny you mentioned Buddy with the shorts. I, I think Buddy wears a lot of shorts just because he's, you know, he's used to that hot weather and I think he's, yeah. you know, that's like in, in the Bahamas, I don't know, but I imagine there's a lot of shorts, uh, down there. But yeah, then another dude who I saw that he, I see it a lot where he's not flashy, but bogey actually wears yeah. a lot of, he'll just do a t-shirt and like a chain and shades. That's like his look. And I think that he right. actually is a good sleeper because he's really, he always is pulling that off. Right. Now he looks really smooth with what he wears. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, it's not, 
a lot, but it fits him. It fits his look, and the look is always clean. It's always clean, man. I, I, I dig, I dig bogey style. So that's a good call right there. Exactly. He's like kind of like a white tee guy, which I think actually is, is a classic. And then I, we're going to get to basketball soon enough, I promise. But then the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, a little bit of music. I know we, we talked about this on Twitter, talked about it a little bit in person as well. You have a radio station over, uh, sorry, no, uh, you have a radio show over at the station KDEE that is 97.5 uh, local here in Sacramento. If you're listening to this in the Sacramento area, I really suggest checking it out because I went over and looked at it today and I realized the radio in my car is broken. Uh, uh, just, just to get that out there. So I, I haven't listened to the radio in years, but I remember this station really well because I came across it one night years ago, like late at night, just driving around. Just, I didn't have, you know, my, you know, whatever, my aux cord was broken, whatever. This is, you know, back in the day, and you can tell my car is not that new. But I found this just scrolling through, and I thought it was like electro funk from like the early 80s, like yeah. Zap and Roger. This station is an absolute hidden gem in Sacramento. And, yeah. I, and I know it's like, the, what is it? The, it's the uh, music for grown folks. Yeah, grown folks radio. That's the that's the moniker that they have over there. So, no, nah, they I I really I really enjoy the station. They play a little bit every. It's a it's a music station, so that's what kind of makes my show um, kind of unique to that station because they play music. I play music on my show, but I was able to finesse it into being a sports show as well. So instead of commercial breaks, we play music during the breaks, not commercials. So, um, and I talk about sports during the time, but. Yeah, man, they play a little bit of everything. Uh, the guy over there, my man, uh, Marvell gives me the freedom to do anything. So the format of my show musically is I do stuff from um, the nineties and the two thousands. Uh, kind of what I like to call, cause I'm getting up there in age, guys. I'm not, I'm not a young guy anymore. You know, I'm not, I'm about to turn 36 in a couple of days. So what is like kind of really like the wave is going on in a lot of these major cities is, um, on the radio, like my demographic, we have our own old schools now, right? Cause like we got early nineties, late eighties, early two thousands. Like that's our old school now. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. they have stations dedicated to just that. So I kind of took that effect, put it onto my show and, you know, we're playing a little bit of that. I, I kind of keep it, you know, with like, uh, kind of R and B tip, but every, every show I slide in at least. I want hip hop track, you know what I mean? Just cause that's part of our culture. That's part of our generation. So I slide that in and, uh, yeah, I got that. But the rest of the station, man, they, they go way back. Like, like you said, 80s, 70s, funkadelic, you know, real soulful type stuff. And, um, it's, I look at it sometimes as a breath of fresh air cause I love hip hop. I love everything that's going on right now. Um, there's a lot of talent going on, but sometimes it's like, Man, I just want to hear like a real instrument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or hear uh, somebody playing a real instrument, somebody harmonizing over that instrument. And that station does a great job for that, man. They, they, they definitely fill that void. And like you said, it's a hidden gem. A lot of people don't know about it. So, you know, if you ever want to take a break from, uh, your Drake's, your Cole's, your Kendrick's, all that stuff, man, your blue face, I don't know what you're listening to. <laughs> if you want to take a, uh, a second, man, 97.5, man, check that out for sure. 
Yeah, I, I like the the old stuff. Uh, I I don't mind how how far back they go. The person that I listened to, I streamed it on my phone uh, just a couple hours ago. Uh, it was during the traffic jams section, and they were playing some '60s stuff, '70s stuff. I was really enjoying it. And then they brought in a little bit of uh, they brought in uh, TLC's Waterfalls, which I was like, all right, here we go. And then they played uh, my my personal favorite artist of all time. And I know if you're into 90s R&B, you'll feel me here. D'Angelo. That's my jam right there. Voodoo. The album, it's my favorite album of all time. But that's, that was it for me. I'm like, all right, I got This is it now. Bookmark this. I gotta, gotta stream <laughs> this when I'm doing work. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, 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 it's a really, like I said, it's a really good station, really good change of pace for, you know, just the everyday monotony, you know, that you hear with, with the music sometimes, man. So. I, I enjoy it, man. Like you said, everybody bookmark that. Check it out. And especially check it out on Friday afternoons at 1 p.m. That's when you really want to check it out. <laughs> there it is, man. Well, uh... Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. We will move on to some basketball here. But, uh, yeah, so let's, let's get into this. So one thing I wanted to start off with here and we don't got to get into it too much. Everyone knows how, you know, this is a divisive topic. Everyone knows how everyone feels. Everyone's talked, talked about it to death, but I know that you are a guy who was a big Willie Collie Stein supporter. So I wanted to give you a chance and ask you a little bit. About that, I know it's it's split a lot of people. I think that the fans definitely, in general, had some distaste or dislike of Willie's game by the end of his time here. He definitely talked about it. He talked about uh, Jason Jones a second ago. He wrote about how the fans really turned against him, or at least that's what Willie's perception was. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So when it came to Willie, like um, I like I said, I liked him more than most. I wasn't blind to his flaws and, and his, his shortcomings out there. Um, but I, I did think that like people were, were jumping out the window with the, with the Willie criticism, right? Like talking about he's garbage. He sucks. Like I never looked at him like he, he was garbage or he sucked. I, my whole argument all the time was Willie is about an average NBA center. Pretty much all his numbers. I don't know people want to go into the super metrics and all that other stuff. And, you know, I'm super analytics. I mean, there's, there's merit to it or whatever. But if you just look at, you know, the base numbers or whatever the case may be, he's what, 12 points, eight rebounds. That's, that's about average. If you want to say above average, a little below average, whatever. That's, that's, you know, nitpicking there. If you ask me, he's about an average center. And that's how I looked at him. You know what I mean? And, and, and a lot of people were talking about how garbage he was. No, he wasn't garbage. He was average. And then on top of that, on the flip side, People would always say, oh, man, Willie, if he just worked harder or if he just cared some more, he could be an all-star center. And I'd be like, no, he cannot be an all-star center. He's not that talented to be that type of player. 
I guess the, my whole argument was he is who he is. You know what I mean? People wanted him to be so much more, to do so much more, or whatever. And like you can say that about anybody if they tried harder, if they worked hard on this, and they would be that. Sometimes you just kind of are who you are. And I I took I took Willie for who he was. You know what I mean? He'd, he'd have these good games. He'd have good moments. Then he'd have moments where he just didn't have focus or just a lack of talent overall. Um, to the all-star level that he thought he was held him back from being what other people want him to be. And I was like, I was okay with it. You know, he, he is who he is. So that was, that was kind of my aspect on him. I, I, like I said, I liked him. I didn't, I didn't really like despise having him out there. It was frustrating when, when he was out there or nothing like that, but I also didn't expect a whole lot from Willie when he was out there as well. So I was pretty neutral, but in my, in, in me saying that, if somebody was like, Willie's garbage, he shouldn't even be in the league, and me saying, like, yo, you're tripping, then it kind of turned into <laughs> me being this super Willie supporter. And it, I, I like him, <laughs> I support him, but I, it wasn't nothing more than me, like, just kind of bring it back a little bit. He's not as bad as you guys are saying he is. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, like, he was the type of center that seemed like it would perfectly fit Sacramento's play style. Being seven foot mm-hmm. and that agile and fast, I mean, it fit with the pace. But I think people weren't obviously happy with the defensive end. And if he was happy with that role, you kind of mentioned like being what he is. I think that obviously it came out in that article that he wants to be able to do a little bit more. He had a Porzingis comparison for himself at the beginning. So I think that was a little bit of the issues too, because play style wise, like I said, a lot of it was what Sacramento wanted. I mean, without getting every single aspect that you're desired for always, obviously. Right, and and that's to me that's where I had to I had to get off the the, the train with Willie when he made the uh, the Porzingis comparison, and that, and that's why I said I would just keep it real when I when I had my assessment with Willie. He'd be like, "Man, you know, me and Porzingis got the same skill set." No, you don't, bro. Like, yeah. no, you don't have the same skill set as Porzingis. No, you can't shoot past ten feet. You know, you have no post moves, nothing like that. That doesn't mean you're not effective. That doesn't mean that. You know, maybe you don't, you probably run the floor better than he does, or, you know, you're, uh, able to do a, uh, a roll to the basket maybe a little better. You have things that you can use to your strength, but to sit here and say, like, yeah, we got the same skill set, like, it just, I wasn't true. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I wasn't factual. So that, yeah, I just looked at, to me, from what I was looking at, I just looked at him for what he was. Average center in the NBA, and that was okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's, well, it sounds like, it sounds like we actually are on the same page. And it sounds like everyone, everyone who's in the media and everyone who's reasonable is pretty much on the same page about that stuff. Definitely not on board for people getting out of pocket and saying, you know, people are, people are saying nasty, nasty things that you don't want to say about anybody. And then obviously saying things like he doesn't belong in the league. That's going overboard. But it's also, it's unfortunate when, People can't take any criticism of him because, and this isn't you, but there are people out there that you, you just give a stat and they'll be like, why are you attacking Willie Colley Stein? It's like, no, this is, this is a stat. This is what he's doing. And, and I think a lot of that frustration came from the rim protection because he was a really skilled block artist in college and he was nice in his rookie year as well, defending the rim. And, and that slowed down in there. There can be some reasons for that. Part of it 
keeps being linked back to an injury. He had a really nasty injury on one of his fingers uh, when he tried to go up and block a shot early in his career. But uh, moving on from him and, and, well, one last thing on him. Were you surprised by how cheap the contract was, how low the contract was that he signed in, in uh, Golden State? Because I know that, that me and Brendan were. Yeah, I, I definitely was. Um, I thought, I didn't think he was going to get the money maybe he thought he deserved or was going to get. But I didn't see him, you know, signing a one-year deal for what is it like six million dollars or something like that. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Um, and I, I said it, you know, throughout the whole time, like that's not a bad deal to bring him back. Like even if he came back and he was disgruntled or had to come off the bench or whatever, I mean, six million dollars for a guy who, if he does accept his role, would be a great uh, big man coming off the bench or whatever. So value-wise, um, I thought that was. That was like a great deal for the Warriors and for anybody. So um, I think I honestly think that he's going to do about the same that he did with the Kings, with the Warriors. Um, and, you know, he'll get he'll get some money. He's not going to get what maybe he thinks he should, but he'll get some money next year and, you know, sign a deal, a multi-year deal somewhere. But I was surprised to see this one-year deal that he signed uh, this offseason. That was, that was a bit of a shocker for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when it all came down to it, we definitely didn't see him getting, you know, 15, 20 million, which it was reported actually, uh, that, that he was expecting to receive offers of 15 million or more per year. We had it around half that. We thought that it'd be about half that, but we didn't think it'd be, you know, 10% of that. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a shocker. But, uh, moving on to some different stuff in free agency here, uh, we got to give you, Big credit for uh, breaking a lot of this news uh, specifically. So you you talked early in the day uh, back on Sunday, June 30th, the big uh, free agency, the opening of free agency. Uh, you mentioned uh, Deadman in the morning, and there was some some talk about him throughout Sacramento media. But you were the first in on Ariza. Uh, what, what do you tell us about this process? Uh, obviously we're not asking you to, to name names and all that, but you know, how do you get this inside edge and, and speaking specifically on Ariza, do you like that signing and, and what are you looking, what, what are you seeing in the future for him? Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, going back to the, to the free agent day thing, I mean, it's just a situation where, you know, I don't, I, I you know, a lot of, some of the things that I say on Twitter, it's obviously tongue in cheek. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not, I, I'm not proclaiming to be no kind of insider right now. I, but I, but the term that I always say is I'm not no insider, but I do know some people. You know what I'm saying? I, I know some people who are either directly involved in the situation or, um, you know, they'll, they're, they're right there. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to say anything just for the sake of like, oh, I want to be a newsbreaker. Like if I, put something out there is because I got a pretty good grasp that this is going to happen. And I'm not even saying it to be first. I'm just saying like, Oh, this is what I'm here. This is what it is. So that's kind of how those two things went down. I had actually heard about Ariza uh, in the Kings. I want to say it was around the beginning of the finals. And wow. I hope nobody gets in trouble for me even mentioning this, but um, yeah, they, you know, there was, Somehow, some way, there was communication uh, between the two parties back then, and there was mutual interest. Like, 
like, yeah, he really likes Sacramento. He really like Luke, like him and Luke are, are, are really tight. So that helped the situation. He was trying to get back to California. So, um, there was mutual interest there. And the person that, you know, I kept talking to kept saying like, yeah, it's consistent, you know, and when free agency came, like, Hey, keep your eye on it. So, um, I didn't think it was going to happen as fast as it did. I thought it was going to take a little time. Um, but obviously he, he didn't waste no time in, uh, making his decision. So that was pretty cool. As far as reason in general, I've been wanting him on the Kings probably for the last three or four years. You know what I mean? I just thought, you know, he fit well with what they needed. They needed, you know, uh, a tall, lanky wing defender, somebody who can knock down a three point shot. Um, and, and was completely selfless with what he was doing out on the basketball court. You know, he'll do whatever needed to be done at that time, whether it's defend, whether it's, uh, run the floor, whether it's knock down the shot, whatever the case may be, um, he'll do it. Is he that same player from even two years ago in Houston where I thought he was like, that was like a much better season than he had last year? I don't think he's there, but he did still have a good year last year. And I think that he's still going to be able to come in and provide those things that Sacramento's looking for. And especially now with him coming off the bench, you know, if we brought him in to be a starter role, yeah, maybe that'd be a little bit of a reach, but coming off the bench or, you know, 10, 15, 17 minutes a night max, you know what I mean? Depending on how the, the jump, the jump shots going or whatever the case may be. I, I think he can definitely be um, a, a good piece for what they want to do this year as far as trying to make the playoffs and, um, have a good blend of veteran presence and, and, and young legs. So I'm excited about a reason. I'm definitely excited about a reason, the role that he'll be playing on this team. You mentioned it a little bit. I've always been really big about this veteran presence. I think that, you know, the 12 years of NBA experience around all these young guys having a ring, we saw the effect that like Shumper had and Shumper wasn't even as old as he really seemed to be for a little while there. What do you think of, of mm-hmm. some of the other two smaller guys we got to? There's Corey Joseph and Dwayne Dedman. Uh, both, a lot, some people have been saying a little bit of overpays, probably more so Joseph, but they fit what Sacramento wanted. You feel like they're checking a lot of the boxes that they had unfilled going into the offseason? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I, I looked at this team, and um, you guys can tell me, and other people can tell me as well. I thought as far as core frontline pieces, they've got those guys. I believe in De'Aaron Fox that much. I definitely believe in Marvin Bagley that much. I believe in Buddy Hill. So to say like, oh, they needed to go get a Chris Middleton or something like that, like uh, like I'm, Chris Middleton is a good basketball player, but I, I didn't want another another guy that needed minutes, needed shots, needed to get paid or whatever the case may be. The guys they brought in are guys that know their role and they know who they are in this league. Corey Joseph isn't going to get upset because he's not getting more minutes than De'Aaron Fox. You know what I mean? He He's going to go out there and that's his role. Yeah, Dwayne Dedman. I, I said this. Um, it was a good signing for a number of different reasons. Number one, and and while I think him and Willie Collie Stein, to me, I, I know their styles are different, but production-wise and what they you know provide on like the raw numbers is about the same. You know what I mean? Like they're about the same person. Um, the, the mentality is what would separate Deadman from Willie. Whereas what I mean by that is if Deadman came in, thought like, okay, I'm going to start or whatever the case may be and come three weeks in, 
It's like, yo, backlane jobs need to be starting, period. He would go to the bench. I don't think there would be any problem. I think Dwayne Devin would be like, okay, cool. This is my role now. I'm ready to provide any kind of, um, you know, lift that I can. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the type of players that they went after this offseason and they needed this offseason. Guys that knew who they were in this league and are ready to play that role in whatever role is asked of them. So um, I think it's a good fit in the locker room. I think it's a good fit on the court and um, within the system as well. So I, I loved what they did in the offseason with free agents. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're definitely on the same page there. Uh, I think that's a great point about Willie probably, you know, even towards the end of last season, it felt like, you know, maybe it's time to, to move on and switch it up. But I know that I was worried a little bit about the the ego side of that. If, you know, a guy that had been starting for so long and is still young and and definitely still feels himself as far as the a lot of the comparisons to guys like Porzingis and, and the talk about, Money is like, is it, you know, how is he going to take being put on the bench if they want to give Giles the job for a week or, or what have you? But definitely feel like Deadman is more cemented in that role player mentality. Uh, definitely a little bit older, but the other big that was signed, uh, you know, really under the radar, Rashawn Holmes. What are your thoughts on, on Rashawn Holmes? Hey, man, that cat, that cat's a wild card. That cat is a wild card. I got to be honest with you, I didn't see a lot of them in, in Phoenix because I just didn't see a lot of Phoenix, period. I tried to avoid Phoenix at all costs. I, I, I don't care if Devin Booker is scoring uh, 155 points and, and they're still losing by 20. I don't, I don't care. So I didn't see a lot of them in Phoenix. But I do remember him in Philadelphia. And I remember how impressed I was with Philadelphia. And I was like just shocked that they didn't look at him as somebody that they can um, keep in, in that core and, and, and build. He was young. You know, he was, he did a couple of different things in, in B. I thought he complimented him at the very least. It mm-hmm. didn't seem expensive or nothing like that. Like I was surprised when he wasn't there anymore. So, um, I've had on my eye on him since then. And the fact that he was, he's able to come in, uh, to this franchise with this group of guys at this point in his career where I still think he's kind of growing. I think that's a wild card. I think that's a huge wild card. And, um, I, I look at, I look at what he's potentially uh, able to bring as somebody that can be here past his contract. You know what I mean? You give him the two years, you show him, you know, some love and I can see his production and what he's able to do off the bench. And maybe, I don't know, you know, keeping our fingers crossed with Harry, but I could, I could see a scenario where Sean Holmes is your starting center. You know what I mean? If all goes well, all goes bad with everybody else. Like I, I have that type of, um, ceiling for him. That doesn't mean he'd be great, but if you throw him in there next to Bagley, he can be a guy that blocks shots, rebounds, or whatever the case may be, runs the floor, does all the dirty work. So I, I really like that signing. I'm really intrigued to see how he fits with this group and with his coaching staff. 
Yeah, and I think part of having that depth at the same time, with it being nice, like you said, I mean, some of these guys got injury concerns. You never know what's going to happen. But if everybody stays healthy, then you really start to struggle to find some times for Holmes. I think he has a little bit more of a situational fit. Uh, Deadman will get those starter minutes no matter. And then I think you're kind of going to be between Giles Holmes and maybe even Bagley at the five, even though that gets more questionable right. with – with having all this depth there, do you think there's a chance all these guys stay healthy that maybe, you know, Holmes isn't the most content for a little while with his role or even maybe Giles? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely that fifth big right now, you know, uh, behind. I would, I would even say he's behind Bielita right now as well. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, where he's at. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm anxious. I don't want to. I don't want to say this is going to happen. I'm not that confident in it, but I, I can see a scenario where he just makes it hard for these guys not to have him on the floor. You know, with when he does get some minutes, get minutes and what he does in practice, and, you know, if he, he plays to a potential that I think he could possibly play, like I feel like it could be a situation where like, man, we gotta, we gotta find some kind of minutes for him. You know, we gotta find a way to get him out there. Yeah. And, uh, and he, and he pushes these guys. He pushes, you know, dead and he pushes the elite, he pushes Harry Giles. And, uh, it really could become a situation where, um, because the practices and the competition, the playing time in, uh, in practice and training camp is so intense, it becomes an iron sharpens iron type of situation. So I, like, I don't, I know I'm speaking him up big time. I don't want to make it like, I think he's going to make the Western Conference all-star team this year. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that or nothing, but I'm, I'm really intrigued by Rashawn Holmes. Like, I like his skill set. I like what he brings to the table. And it was a great, great gift for, uh, for Vladi. I like it. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, Bielitsa is that floor spacing power forward. So I think his, his spot is kind of locked in, in that rotation for sure. They'll want to have him in there next to Holmes or next to Giles or what have you. But I, I definitely agree that it's going to be tough to figure this out. I, I think that it's honestly hard to say whether, Holmes or Giles will play more minutes this year because, you know, it's, I hate to say it because there's no bigger Harry Giles fans that, fan than myself, but he had a really tough start to the year. Uh, he picked it up and he was very good. He had a couple months there straight of, of looking, you know, great on the court. Definitely everything that, that all that potential that we had seen, uh, was finally coming to fruition, but you know, the injury thing, is real as well. So he was a, you know, he was scratched out of the last few games of the season and he was a very late scratch to the California classic as well. So, you know, I tell me if I'm crazy here, but it feels that Holmes might be a little bit of insurance in case Giles isn't a hundred percent. Well, 100%. Uh, that's the way I, I look at him. Um, Harry Giles, just, just, just like you, I'm, I'm right there. Is one of the top Harry Giles supporters um, out there right now. Um, that just, you know, I've, I've had interactions. He's, with, he's a great guy, you know, in general. But I tell people all the time, um, he, I'm very critical of these high school ball players nowadays and the numbers they put up and things of that nature. Everybody's got a mixtape and all this other stuff. I don't mean to sound like the old guy, but I mean you have to really like be doing work to get a mixtape back in the day. Now everybody's got a mixtape, but. I tell people all the time, the, the Harry Giles high school footage is as impressive of high school basketball footage as I've ever seen. I mean, the things he did at his size um, on the basketball court 
is unbelievable. So with that alone, I'm always going to believe that if he can get to 80% of that, you know what I mean? That's an amazing, amazing basketball player. So I, 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 I'm a huge supporter, but like you said, you got to be real with it. I mean, the guys had injuries concerns for the last, you know, four or five years. And sometimes, um, guys, you know, just kind of work through that and, and, and they are able to have a, a successful career like a Sean Livingston or something like that. And sometimes it just sticks with you forever. You know what I mean? You're never quite the same anymore. So, um, you got to go get somebody like a Holmes. You know what I mean? If you can go get them for, like you said, insurance, you know what I mean? You need that. And you, you, you want to hope you never have to break that glass in case of an emergency, but it's good to know that, all right, we're not completely, you know, just caught with our pants hit or our pants down. Is something were to happen with, with Harry. So, yeah, I look at him as insurance for sure. So one last question. We know you're in a bit of a time crunch here, but we'll put this question to you, and uh, and then we'll let you uh, get out of here. But uh, we want to know who you think is taking the biggest step forward this season for the Kings and which player is taking the biggest step backward. That's a good question because I hadn't thought about the step backwards. So going forward, so there, there's there's two guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit. There's two guys that I think are about to take um, monumental steps forward. I think Harry Giles, even with everything that I just said, I think he will be healthy, and I think he's gonna have a big time year. Like I'm looking at Harry, like for him for being like his second year, I can see him going like 15 and nine. You know what I mean? Being their starting center. Like, I think Harry is that good and he, he's about to jump on the scene for real. The other guy, and I've said this numerous times, um, I think Marvin Bagley is as good as it gets. And I, and I know I'm not trying to go back down that road. Luka Doncic, phenomenal player. He was a lot better than I even imagined he would be his rookie year. I'm not here to say who was the better pick, who was da 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 da. But I tell people all the time right now, Marvin Bagley has shades of Anthony Davis in that type of production on the basketball court. And I think he's going to go, what do you, I think he averaged what, about 15 last year or something like that. I can see him going to 20, 21 point per game score this season, this season, as well as take the throw nine, 10, 11 rebounds a game as well. I think. I just think really highly of his skill set. I mean, I, I've been seeing him since he was a junior in high school. The guy's been a phenom his whole his whole NBA life, not NBA life, his whole basketball life. He's been a phenom. He was 15, 16 years old in the Drew League in in LA, like playing against James Harden, getting buckets. You know what I mean? Like he's a phenom, and I think people kind of, I think people kind of lose sight of that sometimes. You know what I mean? Like. This is a guy who literally has been a phenom since he's probably like 12 years old. And I think he's going to take a huge jump with Luke giving him more opportunities this year. Um, another year under his belt, um, I might see him taking a, a huge leap. The guy that I see taking a step back, and it's not necessarily because of um, his skill set or lack thereof or he's going to fall off or anything, is I think Harrison Barnes is going to take a step back. I think he, averaged, he ended up averaging combined about 16 points a game last year. I don't see him putting up 16 this year. That's it being around nine to 11 points a game. And, um, and that's going to be problematic for people who say he's overpaid. 
um, they're going to, you know, that's what they're going to point to or whatever. But at the same time, I think he can still be just as productive as we need him to be um, with the Kings and his points and all that other stuff goes down. You know I mean? We're looking at him to be a fourth option, uh, rebound, defend, be a veteran presence, be a professional out there. That's what he's paid to do. He's not paid to score uh, 16, 17, 20 points per game. You know, that's not what we're looking for. So I think production-wise, I think he's going to drop back and not have um, this super impressive stat line. Um, but I do think his money's going to be well worth it with this squad. So going up, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley, going down, Harrison Barnes with an asterisk. Yeah, man, I think I'm I'm pretty close with you here. I mean, Bagley, I feel like, is a pretty clear option for going up. You know, second-year guy, there's a lot of potential. He's going to have a bigger role now since that was a lot of issues with Jaeger there. And going down, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's an asterisk on Barnes going down. There's going to be a little bit less asked of him, too. And it's tough to pick a guy to go down. Like, I almost want to pick Giles because of the possibility of Holmes outplaying him, like you kind of mentioned a little bit there. But I think Bogdanovich, and rather than going down, mm. just kind of staying at the same as last year. Because I think last year was a little underimpressive after the year before being possibly even the best player on the Kings for a little while there. But I think just having yeah. more creators and other guys that are able to make plays might hurt Bogey a little bit. Unless we see him take a nice step on off-ball movement. Mm. That's a good call. I like that one. I like that one as well. Yeah, and I mean, Bogey did, I think he did take a step down uh, this past year, and a lot of that you can put on the two uh, knee surgeries, you know, so it's it's tough to say. I mean, he's older for a guy that's only entering his third year, but but good answers all around, and uh, we want you just to, uh, we, want, we want you to get the opportunity to plug your, your show again, uh, Kenny, if you want to just give us the, the time and all that one more time. Yes, indeed, man. KC's Corner on 97.5 KBEE in Sacramento, Friday afternoons, um, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You guys can figure out all the times in between. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's on there live. You can stream that on the TuneIn radio app, um, on 97.5 KBEE. And then, um, also I got the podcast that is up at all times. It's on SoundCloud. It's on iTunes. Um, it's Casey's Corner on both platforms, but also if you follow me on Twitter, tweet out the link um, all the time. So you, anything that you missed, you can catch at any time um, in podcast form. And so, yeah, I just I try to be I try to be everywhere I can be. You know what I mean? I'm trying I'm trying to be out there a little bit. Yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on, taking the time. Anybody that's listening, be sure to follow him on Twitter too. That's at K at I am K Diddy on twitter and that's gonna do it for this episode but real quick i know when we hit 24k total downloads we're at a little bit more than 22k right now we're giving away a buddy heel jersey so stay tuned for that you'll hear a couple more details that'll happen within the next couple episodes here when we hit that mark any final notes rich i get everything there that's it for me man all right well thank you to everybody for listening to this episode you'll hear from us again in a couple days here